life of the church, and that's a good thing. And I have had the privilege of, of being here for the past 10 years and uh, seen a lot happen. A lot of great things happen. A lot has changed as well, and a lot of um, grief has happened as well, and a lot of uh, painful situations and trials. But as Pastor Jeff was reading that, that prayer over me, that word of, uh, that we need to know when facing whatever we face is that word in, endure, endurance. And that's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for faithful ones to endure until the end, not just endure for a season and then give up, but endure until the very, very end. But sometimes that feels impossible to endure so much. But here in John 20, we see this story of Jesus resurrecting from the dead. And it's not just a story. It's not a myth. It's a real life event shared to us by the apostle John, who was there, who was with him. And so I want to read just a small portion of this chapter, but I want to cover, cover it still. In, in the first few verses, you see this scene where Mary is going to the tomb and she goes to see what uh, happened. Where is Jesus? And you see this kind of this race happen between Peter and John where uh, I like, it's kind of a humorous part to me because John's the writer and he makes it known that he beat Peter to the tomb. He said, I was the first one there. He didn't say I, but the one uh, John was there before Peter. I thought that was always so funny. But when they looked into the tomb, it says, then the disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. So it was in that moment that they believed. This is what we've been looking at in John. John, the whole gospel of John is this idea of of reading this and seeing this story so that we would believe in Jesus, that we would have an assurance that he is who he is. Let me pray, and then I'm going to read where I want to read today. So, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for your, your peace that you give us. We thank you, God, for the joy of the Lord. That's our strength. We ask for your peace right now in this moment, that no matter what's happening around us, your peace can cover us. Your peace has gone before us. Your peace is ahead of us. Your peace is right now in this room. And so we ask for it, that we would receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's look at John 20, 19 through 23, this story where Jesus appears to his disciples. Here's what it says. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So here's this moment the disciples are gathered together because they heard about what was happening but the, the women went to the tomb and nobody was there. Jesus wasn't there. So the disciples were gathering together, probably talking about what was happening, what was going on. They gathered together in, in one room to, to pray and to seek God on what was happening, to seek understanding of what was going on. And so then when Jesus appeared to them, it was in that moment, ah, 
here he is, peace in that moment, because it says they were filled with fear for many reasons. They're filled with fear because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, because the Jewish leaders just took out Jesus. And so they're wondering, are we next? Are they coming for us? And so here's Jesus walking into the room, and he shows them, here I am. And that's, at that moment, they received peace. And so I uh, had to check it out for myself. I had to check. You know how we always want to see for ourselves the story. What? I want to see this for myself. I want to go and see. So I went and saw for myself that the tomb was, in fact, empty. There I am, looking inside the tomb of Jesus. That's my friend Taylor, who's also a pastor today. This was many, many years ago. But that's me, my red backpack, looking into the tomb of Jesus, the garden tomb in Israel. And uh, he wasn't there. So now... We're not only reading a firsthand account of John in John 20 about the resurrection of Jesus, but you are also hearing a firsthand account that the tomb of Jesus is, in fact, empty. Now, we don't know if that was actually the tomb of Jesus, but um, they were uncertain if that was actually his real tomb. But we are certain that he is raised from the dead, right? So the importance of gathering with other believers who also believe that Jesus is alive. There's a really important part to gathering together and what happens when we gather together. So here's the gathering of believers. So in this story, when the disciples were gathered together, here's what happened. And I believe this is what happens still today. When people who believe in the resurrected King of Jesus, when we gather together, here's what happens. Jesus is with them. Do you believe that? You feel that this morning? Jesus speaks. Believers are filled with joy, and Jesus proclaims peace in their lives. And this is such a joy for me to be able to share God's word and to do this, is to proclaim peace every single week. I I, I believe there's a very, very, very important reason to gather together with believers at least once a week, at least on Sundays, if not every day with people gathering together. But to come together on a Sunday morning to proclaim peace because the world around us is, there's a lot of chaos going on. But when you walk into this room here, this house of God, don't you feel that peace? Don't you feel it even more than ever? Because it's like we've got all these people together. You're not alone in this world where you're trying to figure out and have peace. Where am I going to get peace? But when you come together and you see all these other believers who have walked with God, who have endured many, many trials, who have endured things and yet still have faith in God. When we hear testimonies of people, what they've gone through and what God has done in their life, that encourages us, that fills us with joy. What has Jesus done in your life this week? Well, actually, he did this and he shared this with me and he gave me peace in this situation. How did you get peace when this was going on? Because Jesus spoke with me and he was with me and he reminded me who he is, and I was filled with peace. And when we hear these stories with one another, it's, it's contagious. We need that because you know how easy it is to feel uneasy about things. You know how easy it is to feel anxious and worried about things. I mean, there'll probably be things today that happen. You walk out of even this powerful service that we've had this morning of God's peace and proclaiming his peace. When we walk out, there's still these moments when Anxiety hits, depression, fear, whatever it may be. That's why you have people around you at all times. Hopefully you have people to to message, not just in this room, but outside of this room that you can talk to about the peace of Christ. So 
In this story, Jesus knew that these disciples were filled with a lot of uneasiness about what was happening. So he goes in there and he shares this one word with them, shalom, peace, peace be with you. And so before Jesus sends them out, because he knows these disciples cannot go out into this world if they're full of fear. He knows that they can't go out and do things for him if they have fear. They cannot operate in fear because if they do, they're going to make even worse problems than there are. I mean, that's just a, a really bad situation when you got a, a, a Christian who's filled with fear doing things in the name of God. That doesn't do good for the world. That does worse things for the world, okay? So we want believers not to be filled with fear, but to be filled with peace to go into the world. So Jesus knew this. He said, before they can go into the world, they've got to have peace. They have to be filled with peace. So I'm going to give it to them. So the mission that you are on for God, the mission of God that you are on starts with peace. Before you can go out, it starts with peace. It also ends in peace. We're going to get there when we're going to have a a world full of peace, because when Jesus returns, he's going to make all things right. He's going to fill the entire world with peace. So it starts with peace before he sends you out. Here's peace. We're going to end in peace. And in the middle, he's going to give you peace all throughout. Okay? And God has a calling on each of your life. Jesus is wanting to send you all out into the world but you got to first have peace. And so for me, the start of my calling in, in ministry started when I was in high school. I felt this call on my life in high school where the Lord just got a hold of me, and I knew this is what I had to do. I was in a worship service in, in my youth group as a youngling, and I felt the, the presence of the Lord so real. And that, that question, Lord, what do, what, do I, what do I supposed to do with my life? And he's like, this. What do you mean This. I was in a church service, this, and I, and I, and I, I knew what that kind of meant, <laughs> this, okay, this is it, and so I continued to pursue that, and, and my pastors at the time saw that calling on my life and poured into me, and they allowed me to even preach at times in the youth group as a young kid and lead a prayer meeting as a teenager, and I remember the first message I preached, I went down to the city rescue mission near downtown um, Jacksonville went inside a city rescue mission with a bunch of older ladies who were uh, struggling in life, struggling in, in, on addictions and things. And here I am as a 17-year-old kid walking in there. I've got so much life experience to share with you all. They're like, Ugh. No, they were ready. They were really receptive, actually. They were like, yeah, come on, come on. They were really receptive. So I went in there, and I was like, all right, Lord, what, here we go. And so I preached this message, my first message titled, the best is yet to come. And so I gave this message to them about hope. The best is yet to come. And I proclaimed that in those women's lives that morning. And it was such a message of hope because I knew that they were struggling. I didn't know what they were struggling with. I, I didn't have all the details, but I just knew God wanted me to share a message of hope for them, that the best for them is yet to come. And that message that I preached to them continues to preach to me in my life, where at times I feel like, I think I'm, I think I'm, I don't know how much more I can endure, God. God's like, you're 25, you're fine. I know, but just had this newborn baby, God. I don't know what I, if I could do that. You're, you'll be fine. The best is yet to come. What was that? You heard me. 
God, you're trying to use a message. I preached to those ladies that day on me. That's right. So now it's, it's my message that God gives me. The best is yet to come. Come on, you can do it. All right, you're right, God. The best is yet to come. And so I constantly returned to that place as a teenager where God got a hold of me. I returned to that place, that initial place where God filled me with peace that, that day. And I would constantly return to that place. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. No matter how old you are, return to that place where God first got a hold of you. Return to that place where he first filled you with peace and you knew what that was like. Where you're like, there's nothing else in this world that matters except God. He's real. Remember that moment? When he filled you with peace in that initial moment? I know a lot has gone on. A lot of things have changed and it's, it's, it's difficult. And there's, life constantly changes. There's always a change that happens. So my, my mom would always tell me. Change is the, the, the constant. There's always changing. And so, but yet God isn't changing. And he's always giving us this message that the best is yet to come in our lives. Return to that place where he first encountered you, first filled you with peace, like these disciples. I'm sure that these disciples did this constantly, where they returned to this place of peace in their life because they're going to go through a lot. If, you told these, if Jesus told these disciples in this room, the best is yet to come, that would be a great message, and he kind of did with that message of peace. But the things that they go through later in their life, just read the book of Acts, right, and see what the disciples went through. And yet they were filled with the peace of Christ all the way through that. And so God calls us each to be peacemakers, doesn't he? He calls us to be peacemakers. But before we can be peacemakers, we have to be filled with peace. If you want peace-filled children, you have to be filled with peace, right? If you want to see your children be filled with peace, you've got to have that peace and give that away to them. If you want peace-filled people around you, you've got to be first filled with peace. If you have people working for you in a job and you want them to be filled with peace, you've got to be filled with peace first, and you can make peacemakers all around you. God says that those are my children. The peacemakers are my children. And so in the same way that God breathed the Holy Spirit upon them that day and peace upon them that day, he did this at the very, very, very beginning, talking about returning to that initial time. Look at the very beginning in Genesis 2-7 when he breathed his breath into humanity. Genesis 2-7 says that. You got it up there. Where it says, uh, he formed the dust out of the earth, and he breathed out of his nostril the breath of life into man, breathed it into them. And that very moment, in that same way that he breathed the Holy Spirit upon them, he, he breathed life into them since the very, very, very beginning. So this resurrected Jesus, who is the firstborn from the dead, like we sang about this morning, the firstborn from the dead, the resurrect, the only one who's resurrected from the dead right now is Jesus. He's the only one. Where there will be a day when those who have fallen asleep in Christ, who have died in Christ, will be resurrected from the dead. That day hasn't happened yet. So here's the one Jesus who's been resurrected from the dead, the firstborn from the dead, stepping into these disciples' lives, eternity, stepping into their lives and giving them peace and breathing Holy Spirit upon them. Eternity, stepping into their lives. This is Jesus today, stepping into our lives, eternity. What's eternity going to be like? What's it going to be filled with? Peace, joy, love. And so here Jesus is stepping into our life and doing the same thing, breathing the Holy Spirit into our lives. 
But there was one disciple who wasn't there that day. His name was Thomas. And Thomas was doubting. And he was wondering what was happening. And it says, eight days later, finally, this disciple gathered together with the other disciples, and Jesus walks into the room there, and Thomas saw him finally. I mean, what was that week like where the the 10 disciples before Thomas saw Jesus that day that we just read about, but Thomas wasn't there? That whole week, they must have been like, man, Jesus, we saw him. And Thomas was like, where was I? I missed out. (laughs) I should have gathered together with you guys that day, but I had something else to do. We don't know where Thomas was. I don't know. But he wasn't there. He wasn't gathered together the first time when Jesus gave them peace. But finally, he was there, and he was standing, and Jesus said, he was standing there, and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into my wounds at my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And look at this, what Thomas said, my Lord and my God. What a confession of faith. This climactic confession right here in the book of John that we've been waiting on. All this whole time we've been reading John, we've been waiting to see this confession here that we have to say ourselves, if you really do believe. My Lord and my God. And it's coming from somebody that we call Doubting Thomas. And so if you feel some sort of doubt, you might be closer to a confession of faith than you think. People who are doubting, what are they doing? They're thinking about it. They're wondering. They're, they're, they're asking questions. And so the ones that are doubting aren't like, oh, man, they're so far off because they're doubting. They're probably a lot closer than we think. And so if you have a person in your life who's doubting or maybe your own self, you're closer to making this confession that we've been waiting on this whole time. My Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. Last week, we prayed for that. We prayed for people who have been fallen away or who have uh, decided to, to, to believe in something else. And I want to pray again for those people. And so when he saw Jesus, he said that, my Lord, my God. Look at Revelation 4.11. We sang this this morning as well. You are worthy, O Lord, our God. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. It's going to be short this morning. Brian, are you coming back up? Or, yeah. And so I want to think about when we gather together like this, we maybe are at different places in our life. We might, uh, some of us might have some sort of doubts or things that are happening that are causing us to maybe decrease in faith because of what's happening. But I want to just speak these same words that Jesus spoke to his disciples that day. Peace. Peace be with you. I think it's really important that we don't miss out on what the Lord wants to do in our lives each week. I believe that there's a really important aspect to our faith in Christ to gather together with other believers weekly and to hear the message of peace proclaimed over and over and over again. I've shared this message, this John 20, the same passage, 19 through 23. I I shared it at a 
prison ministry a couple years ago. Brian was there. James was there. And it was a, a, a prison ministry that Gary Larson was leading. And he preached that, that, that I preached this message there. And it was a message to kind of the same similar room with the, those women at the city rescue mission where a bunch of women there gone through a lot of different life experiences. And here I am preaching this message to them. Peace be with you. And I, I just, that's all I had to say. Shalom, peace. And it was as if when I said that, there was this power that was released in that room. And that was a really special moment for me. It was one of the last prison ministries that Gary Larson did. And it was such a unique moment for me. And I, I want other people to experience that as well, that you can do the same thing of proclaiming peace in people's lives. You can do that. All you need is belief in Jesus, a body that you have, a voice, and believe that the Lord has filled you with peace, so you go around and proclaim peace to other people wherever you go. If you find yourself in a, uh, a prison ministry or find yourself in somebody's home and you know that this is a time that I need to proclaim peace, then Take it. Take the opportunity. Whenever it comes up, you'll know. The Lord will say, hey, proclaim peace in this person's life. Right now, what do I say? Just tell them the peace of God is real. Okay. And so I want to, if you're, if you're not feeling peaceful, if you don't believe that you have peace, I want to pray for you this morning that you would receive peace. And so let's do that. So let's just receive. You can just put your hands up if you want. You can stand. You can come up front. I just want to. I just want to pray peace of your life, and then we're going to do communion. A great way to to proclaim peace in our lives is by the recognizing the broken body of Jesus, broken for you, for the healing of us, for our healing. His blood and body broken, torn apart, so that we could be fulfilled and that we could have peace. So let me pray right now, and then we're going to do communion. Lord, I thank you so much for the peace that you give us. Thank you, Lord, for filling us. I thank you, Lord, for this room, this building. Thank you, Lord, that we have this place here that we can gather together and believe together and sing together and worship you and proclaim peace to one another. I pray that there would be a a breaking of an anointing in this room, God, that we would receive it, that we would be able to, to carry that with us wherever we go, that message of peace to the world. Fill these people in this room right now, Lord those who desire it, who are yearning for it, Lord, longing, Lord, knowing that there's so much in life happening, God, but your peace surpasses all understanding, Lord. So we're going to take communion. We're going to have this loaf of bread here. And we can just dip it in the, the, the juice. Oops, sorry. <laughs> if you don't want to, there's also uh, a cup here that you can take, and, and there's a piece of 
bread there, styrofoam in there for you to try. <laughs> it's not really styrofoam. No, that one's fine too. I know, it's good. Okay. Sorry. All right. So this loaf of bread represents the body of Christ. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the night that he was with his disciples, sharing with them his heart and his peace to them and about the Holy Spirit coming. That same night, one of his disciples decided to say no and betray him and the night before he went to the cross. And so this is his body that was broken for those in that room, in that time and today, for all eternity, broken for us. On that same night, Jesus took the wine, said, this is my blood shed for you, the new covenant. And so the disciples drank that night. We're going to dip our bread together as one believer, one body, proclaiming the peace of Christ in our lives. So come on up and take a piece and Andy's available over here for prayer as well. 